Good morning, Crosswalk. Good morning, and happy Campus Day. Is that a thing yet? We need to make that a thing, Campus Day. Like, happy Campus Day. It's, it's an exciting day, because, like, all of us are together worshiping in the same place. I think that's, like, prophetic, right? Like, of a time where worship is always going to be, like, together. Like, it's not segregated, right? Are you with me? Like, did you like being here and worshiping with your parents? Right? It's amazing. It's amazing. Happy Campus Day. Give yourself another round of applause, man. Thank you for being here. It is a pleasure for me to, um, to, to be up here with you again. Um, it's been a while. And, yeah, and I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. I, before, um, have we talked about the, 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 day, the word of the day for, for, for children, right? The word is trust. Count how many times I say the word trust. Uh, and if you get close enough... You go see uh, Megan, and Megan has some goodies for you. Um, so before I read the text, uh, our text for today, just a quick question. I know the high school group, you guys, I've told you this story before, but I haven't told you guys here about a time that I had to fight a French bulldog in front of, like, Buckingham Palace? No? <laughs> My wife's shaking her head. Maybe we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> I promise, I, I don't, I, I like dogs. Um, okay, we'll leave that for another time. I am reading from Mark chapter 35, verse, chapter 4, sorry, verse 35 to 41. It should be up on the screens. It's a well-known story, uh, and it says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going down? I don't like, I've never been on a real storm, storm in a boat, but I've never been able to fall asleep in rough waters or like, rough plain, so I don't know what's happening there. We'll get to that, I guess, in a minute. But when Jesus woke up from this deep, deep, deep slumber, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. The, 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 the translation here doesn't do us justice because it's not just silence. It's like, it's a rebuke. Like, it's like, right? Like, shut up. Am I allowed to say that in church? <laughs> He's trying to sleep. Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's pray. God, we come to you in the hope that you will make your voice heard loud and clear in our lives today. Open our minds, upon our hearts to be receptive to your dental voice. A voice that perhaps will stir in us something new. A voice that perhaps will wake us up. A voice that perhaps has the capacity to transform our lives today. And to speak to us, we ask you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. So outside of the events surrounding the death of Jesus, there aren't many gospel accounts that feature the tired 
and vulnerable Jesus that we encounter in Mark 4, 35 to 41. Jesus is usually the one who attends to those who are tired and those who are vulnerable. Especially in the Gospel of Mark, it feels a little bit out of place. The pace of Mark is so fast, it's so quick, that there's usually no time for unimportant stuff like Jesus eating, Jesus sleeping, Jesus taking a shower, or whatever it is. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving, teaching, healing, doing miracles, teaching, healing, doing miracles, and that's all he's doing. And so when you come across a story in the book of Mark where Jesus is so tired that he almost has to be carried into a boat, you've got to stop and take a closer look. Something's afoot. Did I say that right? Something's afoot. And so the setting, the setting for our story today, Mark tells us is that prior to the, to the event of the boat incident in the evening, Jesus had spent the whole day teaching the crowds. After I preach today, I'm going to take the longest nap. Imagine you're doing this all day. Maybe that's why he's tired. He spent the whole day teaching the crowds, telling them parables about what the kingdom of God is actually like. And while some of the parables were kind of clear enough, we are told that most of them weren't. They were difficult to understand. A little side note, the irony of this is that Jesus is trying to teach people about the kingdom of heaven. It's like super complex, new thing to their imagination, like difficult to grasp, right? And then he chooses the way he's going to explain to them this really like difficult to grasp concept is to use parables, another difficult to grasp concept. It's a little bit weird, right? It's like, hey, I've got this idea that's like, I don't know how to explain it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a story that you're going to have to kind of figure out what it means so that eventually you can maybe figure out what it means to live within the kingdom of God, what it means for the kingdom of, of heaven to be here on earth. Because parables, as we know, are not easy to understand. They're not straightforward. They come to us and they, like, it's oblique. It's what some people call sort of like stories. Have you heard of sort of like stories? You know, it's like, Jesus is like, yeah, the kingdom of heaven is sort of like uh, a, a sower that goes around and is, is, is throwing things around and some of it grows and some of it doesn't and some of it the birds come. And it's like, well, actually, it's like, uh, it's sort of like a lamp and uh, you don't put it under your bed, do you? That's like, duh. No, you take it out. Well, it's actually not like that. It's sort of like um, a farmer who planted a seed and he just in the dirt and just left and then things happened. That's outside of his control, and then it was a plant, it's a little shoot first in the thing, and then when it's ready to harvest, it comes and gets it. Actually, it's not quite like that. It's like a mustard seed that becomes a bush where all the, the, the butterflies and all the, the, the birds come in and have a grand old time, but it's not quite like that. It, it's sort of like that, but it's not like that. It's almost as if Jesus is given up an insight into what it's like to engage with the kingdom of, of God. It's not quite like this, but it's sort of like that. It's, it's as if God is trying to tell, Jesus is trying to tell his disciple, hey, so basically I don't have an answer for you. You're just going to have to trust me. Just like keep poking at it. 
and maybe eventually, maybe you'll figure it out, or maybe you won't. But trust me, you do it long enough, there'll be some rewards. One of the things that I, like, you know, when you hear people say things, like as a pastor, you're walking around and you hear people, happened to me yesterday, actually. I'm walking my dog around, and two people are having a conversation about the Bible. Turns out one of them does not want to hang out with another one of, one of their friends because that person doesn't read the Bible. It was the weirdest story to hear, like, as you're walking in Portland. I live in East Portland, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're there, like, smoking a joint. I've seen it loud, right? And talking about, like, one of them's having a go, it's like, who cares if he doesn't read the Bible? We can still hang out and talk about other things. Oh, no, that matters to me. It's so crazy, right? Like, I, one of the things that, like, really, like, you know, gets on my nerves is, like, when people say things, you know, like, about, like, well, it's, like, things like this. It's like, well, the Bible is clear on this. Is it? <laughs> you know? Like, when people feel like, oh, like, that book is like a book of instructions, and you just go to it, and the Bible is clear. Hey, like, what, what computer, what laptop should I buy? Should I get a Dell, or should I get a Mac? Well, let's go to the Bible. The Bible is clear. It's clear. In the Apple, in Genesis. <laughs> Do the math. The Bible is clear. And it's almost like Jesus is like pushing back against that. It's like, hey, I'm talking about this kingdom of God that's like real, that's like so powerful, but hey, like, there's no straight, I can't explain it to you. It's a process of trusting that if you engage with it enough, there will be something worthwhile at the end of your labor. And so he tells parables to the crowd and to the disciples about the kingdom of heaven, and some of it they get, and some of it they don't get. And Mark notes here that, Mark says, the disciples were a little bit frustrated that they couldn't understand, and so when the crowd was, was gone, they came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, basically all you said does not make sense to us. Can you, like, explain to us what it means? And so Jesus was like, you know, okay, cool. You know, well, you guys are my boys. Let's go. And so he takes some extra time. He leans into and he tells them what he calls the secrets of the kingdom. Secrets that you and I are not purview to. It's just for his disciples. He says this. He says, to outsiders, I only give parables, but to you, I give understanding. To you, I'll tell what they mean. And so in private, he tells them about this kingdom of upside-down economy where what is small is actually what is great, where the weak are actually the strong ones, where the last are actually first, where time is not a tyrant, time is not a god, where those who seek are eventually found, and where ordinary people do extraordinary things. On this, Mark, is clear the disciples have been let in on the secrets of the power of the kingdom of God. They know about its possibilities. And we enter into our story. As the evening came, having taught the crowd, having shared the secrets of the kingdom to the disciples, they hop on the boat and go across the lake. The rest of the story is very familiar to us. There's this fierce storm that comes towards them, and it's so bad that it's like experienced fishermen are getting scared. There's water in the boat, and they fear for their life to the degree that they turn to Jesus. He's like, finally, 
resting. And I don't know how they wake him up, but they managed to wake him up. Like, you know, like rabbi, like master, like, do you not care that we live or die? And so he gets up, has a go at the storm, turns around, and has a go with the same energy. Has a go to the disciples. He's like, yo, why are you afraid? It's just drowning. <laughs> do you have no faith? It's kind of, it's a little crazy, isn't it? Is that just me? He's angry. Like, Jesus is vexed. Isn't like, hey guys, uh, you know, no, no, no. He's like, yo, we just talked about this. It turns out, even after having let in into the secrets of the, of, of, of the kingdom of God, these people are still kind of clueless. And it's not like, bro, like, I just told you. Gave you the keys. And he's mad. And it reminds you of the story in Matthew. Do you remember that story in Matthew? The story in Matthew where this, this father brings his child to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, hey, my son is sick. I brought him to the disciples. And they tried to heal him, but they couldn't. And so I brought him to you. Do you remember what Jesus did? He heard that. Remember what he did? He turned to his disciples and he says this, you unbelieving, perverse generation. Use your imagination. Like translate that to today's words, right? You unbelieving, perverse generation to his disciples. How long must I be with you? How long must I suffer you? He's in his feelings. He's mad. And so eventually, once he calmed down and he heals the boy and everything happened, the disciples come to him and say, hey, like, Jesus, like, what did we do wrong? How come we couldn't heal the, the, the son? And do you, know what, do you remember what Jesus says to him? He said, well, you know, it's because you don't have enough faith. If you had, like, a tiny little bit of faith, you'd be able to heal him, and you'd be able to do much more than that. But the question is, did they really not have any faith in Jesus? Didn't the disciple have faith in Jesus? Like, they woke him up. Like, they knew, well, if there's someone that can help us, it's Jesus. All right? So they go, hey, Jesus, like, wake up, because something has to be done. It's the same thing. When they couldn't heal him, people came to Jesus because they had faith in Jesus. The disciples were probably the one that said, hey, listen, like, go see Sensei. Like, he can fix this. Like, I'm still learning. Right? No, they have faith in Jesus. And not only did they have faith in Jesus, but they also trusted that Jesus had given them the power to heal the sick, the power to feed the hungry, the power to even calm the winds. That's why they're out there trying to heal people. But perhaps what they doubted was their own ability to call on the power that had been given to them. Perhaps what they lacked was not trust in Jesus, but trust in their ability to exercise that kind of power. The temptation is for us to believe that they couldn't do it because they didn't have faith in Jesus. But I think Mark pushes up, pushes against that a little bit and says, well, no, 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 they believe in Jesus. You know who they don't believe in? In their own capacity to do the things that they had been empowered to do. It's almost like Mark is putting the thing, you know, and, and it's like we're in that kingdom of upside down where you're like, you know, I, I trust in Jesus. But what you find out in Mark is that, well, actually, Jesus also trusts in you. And perhaps what that means is that to be part of the kingdom of, of, of God is to have some access 
to divine power that allows you to do what needs to be done and allows Jesus to actually take a little nap. He's a little tired. He's been at it for a few thousand years. Are you with me? It's a bit of a rude awakening. Because Jesus had told them about this power that they had access to. And Jesus wakes up and he's like, hey, guys, and I know this is going to sound a little bit like, sounds a little heretic, let's get Patty uh, here real quick. But hey, like, when I read that text, I'm like, wait, maybe Jesus is saying, hey, you guys can handle this. You have been given the power. You have access to the kingdom of God, the most powerful kingdom on earth. And so perhaps your lack of faith isn't a lack of faith in God, but perhaps it's a lack of faith in your own abilities. Perhaps it's not trusting yourself enough to be able to do that which God has ordained for you to do in this world. Are you with me? Stay with me, you guys. It sounds kind of weird, but it's in there. I promise you, it's in there. I guess what Jesus exposes here is the truth about faith. Is that faith isn't just believing that God can do, but it is also believed that God has given us agency, that God has given us the power to also do. The idea that though God can do it, God actually wants us to do it. That's what it's like to be part of the kingdom of God, a kingdom of possibilities. This is the truth of Mark's story, that somehow faith is at the same time us believing in God and God believing in us. Us trusting God and God trusting us. And the question is, do we, do we believe that? Do you actually believe that God trusts you with this world? God trusts you with your own life. God has trusted you with the life of your children. God has trusted you with those responsibilities that you have. He's entrusted you with this, this career, this passion, this vocation that's in your heart. And that God has put that seed in you and he trusts you to actually see its completion. I'm reminded that one time Jesus had, a, had dinner with his, with his disciples and in the middle of dinner, I start talking to them again about the power of the kingdom of God. And he says this to them, he says, you know what, you see the amazing things that I do? All things that I have done. Not only will you do these very same things, but you will also do greater things. Not only will you do what I have done, but you will also do greater things. And I think... That's the pain of it for us. I think that everyone here right now knows the hesitation and doubt that is born out of the idea that somehow we can do greater things than Jesus. Like it's a tough one. And there's no sort of definitive answer about it. But it's in there and we kind of have to take that seriously. Because at the very least, what, that, what, that, what Jesus is saying means that God has high expectations for the disciples. Jesus has high expectation for those who follow him. There's one thing that you can, you can disagree with me on this, but if there's one thing that you can agree, and I'm sure you will agree with me, is that this world will be a very different place if people actually believed 
in the power that God gives them to effect change. Change in their own lives, change in society. I'm thinking about matters of greed, of suffering, of justice, matters of health, matters of wealth, matters of education, equality, matters of love, matters of tenderness, forgiveness, discipline, generosity. Can you imagine if we actually believe that, you know what, we have agency to change the way things are. Do you know one of the things I hear the most from Christians? Whenever you bring up like a big thing that needs to change in our world, what do you hear? Well, pastor, you know, that's the way of our world. Only God's going to be able to fix that. If that's the bar, then we might as well pack up and leave right now. No, we're not here because only God can do things. We're here because we believe that we are partners in God in the restoration of this world. That we are partners in this, with God in creating the life that God wants us to live here right now. We believe that. Or perhaps another way to say this is to say that imagine how much hurt happens in our world because a lot of us have decided... That it's not within what we can achieve in this world. We've somehow resigned to just accept the status quo. Ah, another war. Ah, poverty. Ah, wealth disparity. Ah, orphans. Ah, still in the blanks. Hey, you know, like, it's in God's hands. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's also in our hands. I used to... I used to think that people, like myself, I used to think that I was worried about things. I resigned myself to the status quo. I let go of my dreams. I, I, I'm willing to settle for less. I give up on changing, changing myself, so changing my environment because of a lack of faith in what God wanted for my life, a lack of faith in God's ability to do this. I used to think that it was me that didn't believe in God. But I'm not certain of that anymore. It was 2008 or 2009. Sorry. 2008, 2009, I'm in London. I have no money, 25 pounds to my name. So I'm broke. I lost two jobs. I had sent out my visa to extend my student visa, right? So I sent out my, my passport and they were taking forever, like six months and I hadn't heard anything from them. And so I couldn't find work because you need your passport that says you're allowed to work to work. I had just received a letter saying I had one week to leave the place where I was staying at. Sorry, guys, I don't, I don't even know. I practiced this. It was easy. But I'm there, worried, super worried, scared. I'm feeling ashamed. My parents had trusted me to stay in England when they left to continue my studies, and I had failed. Um, I was worried about what to do. I had no, all my friends that would have supported me had left already. I was by myself. I was scared. I was, I was ashamed. But that day was a good day because I finally caught a break. Monday morning, I'm in London, 
at $25, 25 dollars, 25 pounds, I get a train ticket for 18. That's the kind of ticket that gets you overground and underground. So it's like, I can go anywhere. All right, so I got seven pounds left, super excited. Nervous, but super excited. I go to my interview and I crush it. Like really, I crush it. They're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they say to me, they say to me, hey, listen, Euro, we love that interview. Like, we, I think this is a great fit. Do you mind sticking around London a little bit longer before you go back? We want to get this paper, like, you know, paperwork done today so you can start ASAP. And I'm super excited and I'm leaving and I put my hands in my pocket and I pull out my seven, like my seven pounds and I'm like, dude, like I'm bowling, like I've got everything, right? And so I walk into Mark and Spencer's, the supermarket, and there's a deal for like a sandwich and a, a, a smoothie drink for five dollars, five pounds. I'm like, oh my gosh, two pounds to spare. Hey, here, bro, get yourself a pair of Nikes. <laughs> it's like I'm super excited. I'm like, oh, finally, like God is good. I've been praying, I've been, uh, what would you call it? Praying and I've been fasting. Like every Saturday for months, I've been fasting. And finally, finally, I caught a break. And I just get my sandwich. I'm like, you know what? I can't just like, this is, I can't just sit where everyone's sitting to have their lunch. Like I'm gonna go to a park. And I go in front, there's a park called Memorial Park in front of Buckingham Palace. I'm like there, you know, the tourists and like really posh people. And I'm like, oh, amazing. And I sit down on my bench and I have my sandwich. I put my sandwich down and um, I'm like so grateful, like full with like really good emotions, right? Like emotional, but good emotions. And so I pray and I'm like, Jesus, thank you so much. Like you're amazing. And while I'm praying, my phone rings. And I pick up my phone and it's like, oh, it's, it's the people that I just, you know, and they're like, you're real. And again, I don't know why people start, <laughs> start you know, like their phone calls like that, because it's bad news, right? They go, oh, we loved your interview. We loved your energy, but, and the moment they say, but, I just like zoned out. It's bad news. They were sensitive about the fact that my, I didn't have my passport and like six months was a long time to wait for an answer from the home office. And so like, they didn't want to take the risk. And like my soul just like, just, just crushed, right? And I'm just like feeling like every negative emotions that I think you can think, feel of at the same time. And I'm hearing them speak and I'm speaking back, but I'm just like so, like I'm s like drowning, do you know what I mean? Like I'm just like, and I can feel of all the negative self-talks coming back to me. And I can feel like just like this anger at myself, like I'm just like disappointment to my parents. I'm like, you know, like my sister depends on me and like, what am I gonna do? And all this kind of stuff is happening and I'm just like, like and then this little voice, like a little, like angel voice, like, well, at least you got your sandwich. <laughs> and so I turn around and, I, and I'm about to grab my sandwich and I didn't realize that this old lady had come and sat next to me with her little French bulldog, little Frenchie. And as I'm about to grab my sandwich, I realized that it's got his little thing on my sandwich pack, right? <laughs> And so I'm like, the nerve of this dog. So I grab it and I go, whoo, right? And he's like, whoo, back, right? I'm like, whoa. And so for like a few seconds, I'm pulling, it's pulling. I'm like, what's going on? The grandma, grandma, the old lady, unaware. And so I'm having this like sort of quiet, sort of like, you know, you don't want to make an attention, but you're fighting a bulldog for your sandwich. And I'm going back and forth for a few seconds until I realize I'm like, yo, what am I doing? That's my sandwich. And I literally go, no, that's mine. And as I get up and I grab my sandwich, I also grab the dog. <laughs> and so for a slip set on, you see this like, this, you know, I had an afro bigger than this, so this black guy with his afro in his suit swinging a Frenchie across from a branch 
in front of a ton of tourists, and everyone's looking at me because the old lady went up and went, oh, precious. I don't know, she didn't say precious. I don't know what she said. She shouted at the name. She's like, ah, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, and, I, and, then, and, then, and then something came over. I'm like, dude, like, yo, what are you doing? And so I just dropped anything, and I just ran. Like, I dropped everything. I left my smoothie sandwich on the floor, and I just ran. Got to make my way back now. So I just ran up there. Straight, straight, straight to the tube station. Hard pumping, get on the underground. Didn't even look what train it was. I just went on a straight, first train that was there. And I'm sitting and I'm shaking and I'm shaking and I'm shaking. And I'm so scared, you guys. Not scared, but worried. I'm so anxious. I'm so angry. I'm so disappointed and all these feelings. And, and I don't know what to do. And I'm wanting to cry, but back then they didn't teach you how to cry. And so I didn't know what to do with all that emotion. And he was just there. And then eventually the spirit, thank you, Jesus, the spirit came and spoke to me. And he said, bro, come here for a hug. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He says, bro, you're an idiot. And I was like, whoa, you can't say that. Like, I'm just, you know, he was like, no, no, you're an idiot. I'm like, yeah, maybe a little bit. I'm like, dude, like, why are you fighting a dog? Right? And then he says this, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And the moment this, this thing went to me, I, I realized that, no, I do have a ton of faith. I do have a ton of faith. The Spirit reminded me, no, you have faith in God. You know that whatever it is that God has for you, no one's going to be able to get in the way of that. Your vocation, you can pursue that. Your desires, you can pursue that. Whatever it is that is good in you, you can make that flourish into something amazing for your world. You know that God wants that for you and you know that God is rooting for you and you know that God will get you through. Your problem is that you don't believe that you can do it. You are believing those voices that tell you that you're not quite good enough for this. You're believing the voices that says that you don't have the stamina to see something like that through. You're hearing the voices of shame. You're hearing, like, you're seeing the look of other people, the look of your parents, maybe, the look of your community, maybe looking down on you, and you're believing that, and you're distrusting yourself. And then the Spirit says to me, Do you know what God? knows that you got this, right? Like a weird thing to hear. God knows that you've got this. It was amazing. It was like, it was just like so amazing. I'm just sitting there in a thing. No job to my life, like to myself. No money, like two pounds, nothing. But I'm like, I can do this. Do you know why? Because God told me that I've got this. Jesus can sleep because you always got this. And so, a week, well, two weeks later, I started my first job as a pastor, like assistant pastor. Amazing. It was, it was amazing. It's amazing. But it started with being reminded that God trusts me as much as I trust in God. We don't know the ins and outs, the secrets of the kingdom. But what we do know is that the sovereign king of this <laughs> kingdom believes in us. And if God believes in you, if God trusts in you, bro, everything else is a walk in the park. You can do it. 
I'm gonna read you John, John 14, verse 12, and verse 12 to 14. The rest of the, the text. And he says this, very truly, I tell you. When you hear the Bible say very truly, it's like, hey, word to my mother. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than this. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Turns out, you guys, to believe in God is to believe in our own capabilities. To believe in God is to believe that God will see those things through. They go together. To believe in God is to believe in yourself. To believe in the power of God is to believe in the power that you have access to through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the kind of power that you have. But you've got to start with trusting yourself. And so a prayer for you. In the most beloved name of Jesus, the first of our kind, I pray, your pastor, that you learn to trust in God's trust in you. I pray that you find through your faith and within your amazing person the strength to do more, to overcome, to do better. I pray that you find in your community, in each other, encouragement, a reminder perhaps that you have access to unlimited divine power. And finally, I pray that in God, you find the assurance of hope, the assurance of real joy, and the salvation of our world. In the name of all that is holy, I pray that you learn to trust yourself the way God trusts you.